0: Welcome to a bonus edition of the Car Doctor podcast. This time we'll be talking to old friend and electric vehicle owner, Jim McPherson. Hi, my name's John Paul. I'm from AAA, and this is another segment about electric vehicles and electric vehicle ownership. And with us this time is Jim McPherson. Jim McPherson is a auto writer, a former broadcaster, and an electric vehicle owner times two. Uh, Jim, good day and welcome to this AAA Car Conversation.
1: It's my pleasure to join you.
0: Well, tell us first about your background prior to electric vehicles. As I remember years back, you had a VW diesel, Mm -hmm. uh, quite an efficient vehicle at the time. I think uh, you were able to average 50 plus miles per gallon, I would think
1: on the open road the best i could do is 56. i was never able to get it to 60 which was always a great frustration so we had to settle for 56 on the open road overall in the years that we had it and it was about 14 years uh we averaged 46 miles to the gallon
0: oh that's uh, that's pretty incredible fuel economy especially considering the age of the vehicle not um you know, some people would say not the most efficient way to produce power. Um, Now you've gone to electric vehicles, and you, in fact, have two vehicles in your households. Can you tell us about those? The first
1: electric vehicle that we purchased was four years ago, a Tesla Model S 75D. And my wife liked the simplicity of electrification, so much that she said I too want an electric car and after looking at a variety of vehicles she decided the size of the Chevrolet Bolt was ideal and so we ended up purchasing a Chevrolet Bolt two years later.
0: And like most people and I assume you as well that you charge at home I drive by many charging stations in my daily drive sometimes and I don't see a lot of electric cars being charged up unless they belong to a city or town and they tend to park them there for the night. Do you, do you charge at home?
1: We have a home charger, a level two charger that will service both the Tesla and the Chevrolet bold. It uses the standard 1772 plug, which services a wide variety of vehicles for level two charging. Level two charging adds in terms of range in my car with the current available, adds about 25 miles of range per hour in my wife's car it adds about 30 miles of range per hour
0: and can you charge up both cars simultaneously
1: no we have only one charger and one plug
0: yeah and when have you found charging your car to be at all um tedious No. And I
1: think most electric car owners would say that. Now, granted, I think most electric car owners are in a very good position to have the ability to charge at home. And I recognize that there are many people for whom an electric car might be ideal who don't have that ingredient. But the last time I looked at statistics, the average car sits still 93% of the time. And if it can sit still near a charger, either at home overnight while you're sleeping, or perhaps where you work during the daytime hours, you really have the opportunity to take full advantage of electrification.
0: <clears throat> and one of the things, you know, some people say, oh, I have to charge up my car. And I'm like, you know, you're, you, most people today are charging up a cell phone, they're charging up an iPad, they're charging up a laptop computer. It's just one more thing to plug in, and it becomes just habit, right? I think
1: so, to a large degree, yes. And I might add that, especially if you can charge the car while you're doing something else, the actual time it takes to plug it in and then unplug it and roll up the coil is much less than it takes to go into a gas station.
0: Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that, I mean, especially you know, my car hasn't moved in two days. So if it was an electric car, it would be, you know, it would have been charged up a day and a half ago. So you're, you know, thinking about that as a, as a way to um, take away some of the little bit of a burden, perhaps that some people think an electric car will have. Um, People sometimes are, have thoughts about was it hard to buy an electric car versus buying a regular car? Was, it, was the sales process easy? Was it difficult? Was it, um, is, it, is it hard to buy an electric car?
1: I found it not at all difficult. Um, I know that we, were, we had the good fortune of having a friend who had purchased a Tesla Model S, um, who was very generous in allowing us to drive it and to test drive it, because there are no Tesla dealers in Connecticut where I live. And so we got exposure to the car that way, excuse me, and determined that it was a highly viable option for us to pursue. And then ordering it literally took just minutes on the internet. And when it came to delivery, Tesla can't deliver from within Connecticut, but they can deliver from other states. And they basically flatbedded the car to the house. They had the paperwork to be signed and it took 20 minutes. Um, Now, obviously, when we bought the Bolt, we had a local dealer that we could go to, and we did so, and the process was somewhat more complicated. Uh, They were not initially overly eager to show off electric cars, and they didn't have an overwhelming selection, but we persevered, and ultimately, we were able to purchase the car. The actual delivery process, instead of 20 minutes, which we had for the Tesla, uh, took several hours as we went through a variety of steps at the dealership so the answer is i think it was no more complicated than buying a gasoline powered car at the dealership but clearly the dealership experience was not as efficient as the direct from manufacturer experience that we had
0: well let's talk let's talk a little bit about the cars in general Uh, What are the range? What's the range like in your Tesla versus your Chevrolet Bolt?
1: It depends on how you drive it. I say the three T's play a huge role, and that would be temperature, terrain, and the temperament of the driver. Uh, If you like to engage in large amounts of what I call throttle therapy... (laughs) which is to say to take advantage of the really impressive acceleration that both cars have and the instant torque, and there's no need to wait for a downshift. So performance is very, very good. If you tap that a great deal of the time, then you're going to have less of a range. Uh, The EPA ratings for my car would be 259 miles on a single charge. And on my wife's car, I think it's 239. I would have to look that up to be sure. So don't quote me but certainly it's more than enough for daily use, at least the way we use cars on a daily basis.
0: Now, some people have concerns about, can I drive my car to Florida, for instance? Uh, Mm -hmm. What's what's it like? Have you done any long distance trips with either one of the cars?
1: We've done some with both, yes. And There are charging stations along the way. We have a temptation to use the Tesla for longer distance travel, simply because Tesla has established an impressive network of supercharging stations, which, by the way, cut charging time phenomenally. Um, You can go, really, we've, we've never had to sit longer than 50, 50 minutes at a charging station, even with the battery partially or almost fully depleted. So we tend to use that car and also they don't do it anymore, but I purchased the car at a time where they were offering free supercharging for life. So there's no charge to charge. So there you go in that particular case and hard to beat that
0: hard to beat that. And there is the, like you said, the impressive network of superchargers and they are located in uh, places where most people would stop anywhere, rest areas and, Uh, so making it, and let's face it, most people after a couple hundred miles of driving need to, need to, and should take a little bit of a break and stretch. So, uh, Mm -hmm. I think it, it works out. It works out conveniently at the same time.
1: Yeah. The other thing too, is that you have to, I think you have to rethink your refueling strategies. So most people think when I pull into a gas station, I'm going to fill it up. And when you're charging an electric car, there may actually be incentives not to fill it up for a variety of reasons. First of all, you may have another destination charging station within an easy range. uh, Batteries tend to slow in terms of their charge rate, the higher the charge level is. So it takes longer to do the last 10% of the charge, for example, than the first 10% of the charge. And then finally, in many cases, you don't need to to charge all that much if you're going to end up in a situation where you know the car is going to be parked. The last long distance trip that we took, coming home, I reached a point where I knew that there was a level three charger that I could use. It's 47 miles from my house. I've used it before. And I looked down and I had 60 miles of range. I could easily make it to the house with a 13 mile cushion, but I said, you know, that's still cutting it a little bit thin for my taste. So we stopped at a supercharger, plugged in, went in to use the facilities very briefly, came back 10 minutes later. And in those 10 minutes, we had added somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 miles. And so now I have a 110 mile range in about the same time it would have taken to stop at a gas station, which I would have done with only a 60 mile range facing a 47 miles trip anyway. So it's just about the same amount of time that I would have spent in a gas station. I'm now up to 110 miles, disconnect the vehicle, drive home. When you get home, plug in and overnight the next morning, you're fully charged.
0: Let's talk a little bit about charging for a minute. There's level one, level two, level three, and then the Tesla supercharges sort of fit in their own category, right?
1: It's a level three charger, at least I think of it in those terms. It's a DC high current charger. Uh, Different units have different amounts of power available, but generally speaking, we're up around 125, 150 kilowatts capability of delivery. And when you first plug in and the batteries are very, very flat, the screen tells you that you're you're adding distance at the rate of like 350 miles per hour. Now, that does not hold for the entire charge cycle. It begins to drop as the batteries become more highly charged. But it's still a very, very fast charge compared to level two. And then when you get back to level one, which runs off a 110-volt household outlet, you're looking at adding range at the rate of about four miles per hour. It's like watching paint dry.
0: Yeah. And and the the, the typical house current, uh charger is more of a convenience or emergency charger maybe it's not although i've talked to people with nissan leafs for instance all they charge up is off a 117 volt home outlet and they've been perfectly happy with doing Mm -hmm. that but um i would think as you move from level one to level two the energy costs go down as it typically would going from 110 to 240 volts
1: The efficiencies of charging are far greater when you go to a level two. And it's interesting because when I first started getting electric cars for review, and that dates back now at least a decade, and I charged them at home, I did not have a level two charger. And so I charged on level one, and I kept very, very close tabs on the charging rates. And I found that charging on level one was somewhere in the neighborhood of 80% efficient. Going to a level two charger, I noticed that that efficiency has jumped up tremendously into the 90 plus percent range of efficiencies for charging. And I had the opportunity at a Chrysler introduction to talk to an engineer who had worked on the Pacifica hybrid. And I pointed out that I had noticed that 110 volts tends to be relatively inefficient. 140, uh, 240 volts tends to be much more efficient. And he said, well, understand, that at 110 volts, you're going to have the charging process go on for a much longer period of time. And you have those control circuits that handle the charging that are on drawing X amount of power. When you go to a 240 volt level two charger, the control circuits charge or, excuse me, consume the same amount of power, but they do it over a much shorter period of time. And so as a result, more of the power that you're drawing from the grid actually goes into the vehicle. And so the efficiencies do go way up. Not to mention the time goes way down.
0: Yeah, and just for clarification for people, you cannot charge your Chevrolet Bolt at a Tesla super station supercharger, right?
1: That is correct. And Tesla in this country uses a proprietary plug. Now it, the car also comes with an adapter. So if I want to take advantage of destination charging at a non-Tesla location, I simply plug. The I simply use the plug from the charging station, put it into the adapter. The adapter then goes into the side of the car and all works normally. Uh, you can also buy um, some of the adapters actually for both of the other high-level charging situations now. I've not done that because one of them I've seen is about $500 and the other is $600. And so I've never really felt the need to do that. But you do have adapters for Tesla. Now, the other way doesn't work. Uh, there's no way that i know of to charge a non tesla vehicle on a level 3 charging outing at a tesla charging station
0: yeah I, I i don't know of any way i'm sure there's some somebody somewhere who maybe has figured it out but i can't imagine imagine how they would so but the idea that you can still we're starting to see more and more level 3 DC charging in places like shopping malls and mm-hmm. and places like that. So you can do that relatively quick charge in, you know, 20 minutes, 30, 40 minutes and get maybe 80% of your battery life back in a pretty short period of time.
1: Many of them will require that you set up an account beforehand. Right. And so we have accounts that we've set up for both the Tesla and the Bolt. Uh, with two organizations that allow us to just swipe the card and then charge and then we are charged accordingly for what we put into the vehicle. So many of them will require a little bit of forethought. Um, yeah. I did see one level three charger once that allows you to swipe a standard credit card, which I thought was interesting. In other words, you don't have to, you don't have to plan ahead and make right. sure that you have a charging network level three charger available yeah. to you. And of course, there is no way to hand over cash.
0: Absolutely. And uh, even even me with some of the review cars, I have a app on my phone so I can pull up to some of the more popular charging stations. And it has my credit card information in there. And I can charge up at a higher level rate. I was talking to someone with a Porsche Taycan, I believe is how you pronounce it. And um, Hmm. he didn't have charging at his home but he went to a local shopping mall once a week or so and did level three charging at the shopping mall while he walked around the local sporting goods store for 20 minutes or so. And that, or a half an hour, and that got his range back up to close to 250 miles. And he would do that once a week. And because he was, he was basically not doing anything more than uh, spending some vacation time. So he didn't really need to drive any distances, but for that, for him, it made sense. And he was putting level two charging at his house uh, eventually, but he just mm-hmm. wasn't able to do it right away. Um, do you have any regrets owning an electric car?
1: No, none whatsoever. Yeah. Um, it, to begin with, uh, the cars both perform beautifully. Uh, they, are, they are lots of fun to drive and I still enjoy the act of driving. And in fact, during my car review days, I think I counted it up and I went through some 3000 cars over the decades that I did Mm -hmm. that job. And I have to confess to you that the Model S strikes me at least from my perspective and along the criteria that I value in terms of the way a car responds and performs, it was sort of the best of the lot. And so I don't feel any regret in that regard. I also don't feel any regret in terms of the overall maintenance that's required for an electric vehicle versus an internal combustion engine vehicle. Uh, so far, we have covered in the two vehicles about 40,000 miles, and we really haven't had to do anything. Um, the one thing that I was disappointed in in the Tesla was the original tires were what I consider to be far too quickly for my gentle driving approach. And so at 27,000 miles, I did have to replace all four of the tires. But other than that, no oil changes, no cooling system service, and just about tire rotation is it. Air filter rotation for the passenger cabin also, but or air filter replacement, I should say, yep. not rotation. But air filter replacement for the passenger cabin is also a requirement, and that's about it. And I know there's one consumer organization that has looked at it and said the average person will save about $8,000 over the lifespan of a vehicle uh, in terms of maintenance, service, and repairs, and so forth. I attended the Los Angeles Auto Show a couple of years ago, and there was a dealer forum that the press could attend. And so I attended the dealer forum. And there was a Chevrolet dealer who spoke up and said, you know, based on my experience with the Chevy Bolt EV, if every car were electric, he said 80% of the parts and maintenance and repair revenue that dealerships generate would disappear.
0: Well, now, and that, may, sh- that may be something. There's, there is a well-known automotive technician shortage. Uh, there's mm-hmm. not enough technicians. And maybe as the world changes and becomes more electric, um the the idea that a technician shortage may not be as much of a concern if cars don't require the same amount of maintenance
1: that that certainly is one possibility now of course by the same token a lot of what is going to happen and need to be done needs to be done will sort of be beyond the will be beyond the overall scope of many current technicians. I think it's fair to say. Uh, there's one automotive PR individual who I think very cleverly put it saying that we're in a process when it comes to technicians of going from nuts and bolts to ohms and volts. And so it's a, it's a significant transition. Um, I know that I, I had experience with one automotive technician who was literally nothing short of gifted. Um, the man had a built-in torque wrench in his right arm. Uh, He didn't need to go get the torque wrench. Mm -hmm. 80 foot-pounds, no problem. He was able to do it. He was able to set up differential gears by feel, and they were perfect. In other words, he was an exceptional mechanic. And this was years ago when solid-state ignition systems came in and took the place of points condenser and a coil with a rotor, et cetera, et cetera he just threw up his arms and he said, this is more than I can cope with.
0: And um, interesting. Two more questions for you. Um, When it comes time to all batteries, whether they're a battery in a cell phone or a battery in a cordless drill, have an end of life. Mm -hmm. um, Will you consider that at some point, When it's time to trade the car or will you run the car to the end of life of that battery? Or will you keep it for another couple of years while the battery still has some good life left in it and trade it in?
1: I don't know. Um, I know that the cost of replacement batteries has come down markedly, but the batteries themselves do have an extended warranty. Although I do know one family member who had one brand other than Tesla or Chevrolet who had some battery issues and found that it was, shall we say, challenging to get the warranty fulfilled Mm -hmm. with the manufacturer. But nonetheless, the cost of replacement batteries, the cost is coming down. And so I'm thinking if we get to the point of $100 per kilowatt hour, and it's my understanding that we're not that far away from that now. Uh, A few years ago, it was $500 per kilowatt hour. So when you get to $100 per kilowatt hour, a complete battery renewal for my car would be $7,500 plus the labor to put it in. And everybody says, well, how could you possibly justify that? <clears throat> Excuse me. And yet I have a neighbor who just dumped $48 and $4,800 into the transmission of his car.
0: Yeah, no, and, it, and- it no, it is. It is absolutely, absolutely correct. And. The other, the other question is you're looking, you know, as you drive your electric car on the roads today, unlike me, when I drive my gasoline car, I pay gas tax. Mm -hmm. You don't don't pay, you don't pay, you don't pay anything to wear out the roads the same way I wear out the roads. Uh, Mm -hmm. Will, if there is a vehicle miles travel tax uh, based on your driving, Will that change your opinion about electric cars?
1: I don't think so. And I think that you raise a very valid concern about electric cars and electrification. Uh, I do note, for example, that some states have implemented, my state is not one of them, but some states have implemented much higher registration fees to make up for the loss of road taxes that are paid for at the pump. And in fact, some states have imposed such draconian registration fees that they far exceed what a typical driver of a very fuel-thirsty pickup truck would pay in road use taxes in a year. So I'm not sure that that's the fair approach either. But I would agree with you that that is certainly one issue. And would I be, would I be put off from replacing an electric with another electric by that? I don't think so. Uh, the main issue that I think most people would probably complain about when it comes to electric vehicles is climate control. And that can take a significant toll on range, uh, especially in the wintertime, if you like it toasty warm. Now you can turn on the heating systems while it's still plugged in at your house, which means you can preheat the cabin so you don't have to heat it, you'd only have to maintain the temperature. Uh, Heating takes much more energy range than air conditioning. Uh, I note with interest that I've generally detected about a 20% loss in range from heating. I know that AAA has done some testing and they're finding up to 42% loss of range for right. heating. Uh, air conditioning has not had nearly the effect as heat. And when you stop to think about it, the change in temperature that you're trying to achieve is not nearly as great. Yesterday I was out, it was 95 degrees. I wanted the cabin 75. That's a 20 degree difference. You know, I've been out at 10 degrees and I want the cabin 60 to 65 degrees. That's a 55 degree difference and so it tends to be more costly. Right. So that's the that's the main issue and I would like to see some method of gaining of gaining an upper hand on that one. Uh, I know both of our cars have electrically resistive heating. Uh, there is a move toward heat pumps which I think would be more efficient. But that would be the main that's the main issue that lurks in the back of my mind yeah. is the issue of climate control. Yeah, I but think- a road, road use tax uh, No, I don't think that that would be a particular deterrent or higher registration fees.
0: Yeah. No, I think, is it the model Y has a heat pump in it? Yes. They're moving in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, again, more efficient than a resistance heater, uh, and always will be well, Jim, Mm -hmm. I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day and helping educate our members about electric vehicle use and ownership and, uh, and and the fun of owning an electric vehicle at the same time
1: yeah they really should people should really try driving one because if you enjoy driving they are great fun to drive thanks jim you're quite welcome